Amen. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Jen, good to have you back. We, uh, a couple things that I want to uh, share before we jump into this. I'm already an emotional wreck this morning, so see how this goes. But uh, anyway, um, uh, Ann Saylor, many of you know Ann, uh, has had some complications medically this week. She's uh, doing well now uh, and at the hospital. We've updated on the member page. If you remember, you can see the details of that. It's not the kind of thing we don't throw out there for everybody. But uh, anyway, uh, saying all that to say, uh, she is uh, our leader for Serve Sunday. Well, she messaged me from the hospital bed yesterday, her requests of what she needs help with uh, to help Serve Sunday go off without a hitch next weekend. Uh, next weekend is, is Serve Sunday, if you didn't know. Uh, Serve Sunday, uh, Ben will talk about it later, I'm sure, but it's where we do this a few times a year where we uh, don't, we have one short service and then we get in teams and we all go out and serve, but we sign up ahead of time and all that. So we're asking you to sign up today for that. But as a part of that, and specifically needs dudes or people, not to discriminate, okay, uh, that are willing to run chainsaws and own chainsaws to be a part of two different projects next week. Uh, and so uh, if you have a chainsaw, you know how to use it. You actually know how to use it, you know. Uh, don't cut your leg off. Uh, you know, then uh, talk to them at the front desk. I just told her I would just have you guys just talk to the front desk, and they'll, it may be, and, and they're, they're going to get blindsided by this because they have no idea this is coming. So, uh, you know, just tell them, Ann said, I need to give you my name and number, and I'm, I'm willing to be on one of the teams with a chainsaw. So there you go. Um, that reminds me of when I was a youth pastor one time. I got to tell you this. Uh, and we were doing we were doing like the the Wednesday night prayer meeting thing or something uh, in in a church that I was a youth minister at. And the students and I would all sit in the front, you know, like right up front. I figured, you know, if they're right up front, they're more likely to hear about Jesus and less likely to get in trouble because everybody could see the backs of their heads, right? And so uh, we all sit up front and do that. And uh, and but then, man, sometimes during prayer prayer meeting type things you'd have like prayer actual prayer requests you know and there was one night that this uh, and I feel so bad telling you this, this is probably sinful um there was there was a little old lady that you know that had a prayer request she raised her hand and she stood up and they said you know what you got she's like uh you know I need you to you know pray for my nephew Bobby he cut his leg off with a chainsaw or something and all these teenagers up front on a you just got to understand like one of them starts laughing and it's all downhill from there right and i may i'm i know i know it's bad right i may have participated i'm i'm confessing it now okay i didn't want to the devil made me do it right <laughs> that doesn't work but yeah all right well let's actually talk about the gospel now um man uh god is good and uh i'm excited about today excited about the things that we're talking about today. Uh, uh, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to the book of Matthew, and if you don't have a Bible, our ushers will bring you one. We'd love for you to have one uh, to be able to follow along. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, this uh, uh, today uh, we're talking about uh, the We Have Hope campaign, uh, the Worth It campaign, all these things culminating uh, into one, if you will. Um, you know, this is uh, this is this is. Yeah, Nathan said it a few minutes ago. This is years ago of God leading us 
to begin to do something. I, I talked last week about what it was like uh, to be in the middle of, of feeling like God's leading you to do something, but it seems so big and it seems so far out there that you're just like, I don't even, I don't even know what we're going to do. And then, so then you start to share that with other people. I think God's leading us to do this. And everybody's like, well, well, how are we going to do it? And you're like, well, I don't know, you know, but this is, you know, God's leading us to do it. And so uh, we've been praying and planning and, and lots of things now for several years uh, to get to this. And, uh, you know, just to be clear, um, my heart is never about building buildings. Uh, my heart is about leading people to Jesus. Um, and, and I truly believe that that is the purpose that God called us to start a church, is to lead people uh, to the Lord and to glorify Him, uh, that this community would be a better place because we're in it. Uh, all those things. And, and, and with those things in mind, we set out, you know, praying many years ago about what what is what is this continued mission of what God has called us to look like for us. And uh, I talked in depth last week about you. Go back and check that out. So I don't want to rehash everything. But in a nutshell, basically, we just saw certain issues in our community, such as uh, addiction and those kinds of things, uh, or whatever. And, and you know, as as we started praying and and seeing and noticing that this was a bigger problem maybe than even in a lot of other communities, we realize, you know, this is our mission field. And for this to be our mission field and this to be an issue, we can't just ignore what's going on, you know. And I think that I think the church at large sometimes is guilty of that. Uh, and that's not, I'm not interested in pointing fingers or anything. We've all been guilty of that. We've all been guilty at times in our lives when we know that there's something going on where it's, you know, we realize, you know, we should do something here, but we don't know what to do, or, you know, we, we just, you know, whatever it is that keeps us from doing it, we don't do it. And so, um, you know, for us, it became an issue of, well, let's pray about that. Let's seek the Lord. That's, listen, that's a dangerous place. You start praying and asking God to show you how to do something, to show you to do something, to lead you to do something, and I guarantee you he's going to pick you up out of something that you're used to and he's going to take you into something that's uncomfortable sometimes. And so part of this whole thing has been us just praying and asking God and just trying to willingly just go as he's leading us to do so. And so where, where we've landed here is, is uh, the thing that, uh, that uh, he was alluding to earlier is that uh, uh, we do a, a thing a few times a year called the big, uh, once a year called the big give. Uh, and the big give is an offering. It's a special offering. And, uh, uh, and so for those of us that are part of 24, we've been praying about this and, and asking God to lead us in this. And, you know, I know many of you have prayed about what's it look like to, to make some sort of a sacrifice to do this extra offering or whatever it may be. And, uh, and we've been doing that. My family's been doing that as well. And, uh, but it's for uh, specifically the money that will be given today will be going to um, this, this fund to build a sober living house, an ad addiction recovery house. And uh, that is alongside of a ministry called uh, the Hope Center Ministries. And again, go back and listen to the message from last week. We had two of them here. You can hear all about it. It's an amazing thing that they do. Uh, and we feel led to not just be a part of it. We feel led to be a sponsoring church for a new house here. Uh, and so those folks are going to come, and they're going to be a part of our church family. Uh, we're going to get to minister to the folks in the program. We're going to get to minister to family members of folks that are in the program. Uh, it's it's game on. And so 
uh, you know, the rubber is about to hit the road. And so we've been, we've been at this raising money for this uh, for over a year now, uh, specifically this. Uh, it, it costs us $200,000 to put toward uh, a Hope Center house is basically our we're serious money. And then they take it from there and they roll. Because, I mean, a house, obviously, you're not going to buy a house any around, anywhere around here that's going to hold 30 or 40 people for, you know, 200 grand. Uh, but they, they take it on and from there it, they do their thing. And it's a great thing. And so, um, you know, we, we have raised... Uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of the 120, 130 so far. Uh, and so today with our big give, we're hoping, uh, I'm hoping, uh, I'm praying that uh, God might uh, be so gracious to us to let us see this thing just, you know, we'd be able to write the check to the Hope Center and be able to start this house. And so uh, that's that's happening. That's that's what that's what this is about today. So if you give, uh, honestly, if you give this week, uh, that's, that's where the money is going, just so that you know. Um, that being said, um, I want to talk about want to talk about the gospel. I want to talk about who we're called to be in this world, and a couple things from a little passage uh, uh, that a, a guy named Jesus shared with us uh, once upon a time out of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter five, uh, and in Matthew chapter five and verse thirteen, uh, he gets to talking uh, about some senses. You know the you know the senses, right? We've got. Uh, the five senses, you know, sight, sound, touch, taste, smell. Um, interestingly enough, Jesus picks two of these to hone in on and to talk about. And so, you know, as he's doing this and talking about this, you know, uh, there's, there's some, there's, as you could guess with Jesus, there's some pretty specific things that he's going to get after when he's talking about, you know, a couple of these different senses that we all have. Uh, And I want to read this with you. Out of Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, it says this. It says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no good, no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people put people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven so the two senses that we see jesus talk about here uh, are the the tasting right sense and the seeing sense we have this you know bit about uh, you know, you are the light of the earth, you know, uh, you are the, I'm sorry, you are the salt of the earth. Uh, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? And then you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people put a lamp, uh, uh, light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. We have, we have these two, two analogies that Jesus is sharing with us to help us to understand something that he hasn't just called us to do, but he's created us to do. And I think that that puts a spin on it that's important for us this morning. Because I, I think that we're real good at like hearing something like this and we're going, oh yeah, I know I need to do that. No, <laughs> it's not just that we need to do it. He made us to do it. Like he created us to do it. Uh, you know, I think it's you know, important to, to be reminded 
that Jesus is the creator of all things, right? That He Himself is the creator. And in Him being the creator, these little things are actually not little. They're super big. These, these little truths are not little truths. They're super huge truths when we really think about them. And when we really grab, you know, grapple with this and, and get our, uh, our uh, minds around what He's saying here, you are the salt of the earth. And then immediately he goes into, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Well, salt, you know, salt, uh, you know, as a preservative, of course, we know it's used for seasoning, you know, and at this point in time, the, the preservative thing was huge, you know, because, you know, they're... They're not, they're not working with the appliances that we have today and those kinds of things. You know, they're literally just trying to keep food so they have something to eat. Constantly trying to figure out ways of how do we store this food? How can we store meat without refrigerators and freezers and these things so that it won't go bad? Well, they use salt. Salt was such an important part of what they do. And so, you know, I, I got curious. I've been, and I've, I, man, I've studied on this passage before. I don't think I ever actually have done this thing that I have thought in the past. Man, I got to take some time and study on how does salt lose its saltiness, right? So, you know, I, I studied a little bit, read around. It turns out that if salt, if it's dissolved in water and recrystallizes with other elements, could cause it to become something other than salt and cause it to taste differently, okay? Furthermore, for them as the hearers at that moment in time, these folks were close to the Dead Sea, and there was a situation that took place there in the Dead Sea within that time uh, where um, because of the amount of impurities in the water, boron, magnesium, and other things, if it were to dissolve its saltiness, would give way to the other things attaching themselves to it, causing it to not have so great of a flavor. And in other words, causing their food to have bad taste. So this was very meaningful to them. And in fact, to the point that when Jesus is saying, you know, that it's, it's no good, in fact, he says, if it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet, they literally are thinking about that action of when they got some salt that turned out to be bad salt and it ruined their food, which was a whole lot harder to come by then than it is now for us, right? And it ruined their food. And then when they figured out all oh, the salt's bad, then what? Well, what? We're, throw it out the street. Throw it out the window. Throw it out the door. You know, let people walk on it. You know, I mean, this is literally a thing, you know, that makes total sense to them. And so when he's saying, you are the salt of the earth, he's saying, you are this piece of the puzzle that I have created to preserve this world, to keep society from rotting completely away. Furthermore, the word salary comes from the word salt. And here's why. Back then, at that time, 
Roman soldiers were oftentimes paid partly with salt. It was like a currency. It was so important to have it that it was like a currency. And so part of their pay might be salt. But let's say that you're a Roman soldier and you really didn't have a good week. Maybe you didn't put in your time or you didn't put in the the 100% or the effort or whatever it is, however you want to look at it leads us to this saying, which we've probably heard before, that to say that you are not worth your salt meant that you didn't work hard enough to receive it as the total payment on your salary for the week. So salt being so necessary that it was literally like, uh, it literally was a thing that was part of survival at that point in time. It was so important for them to have it, you know? And, and, I, and I, 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 I've been praying over this and thinking over this and, and, you know, been asking myself, God, what is it that you have for us within the context of this passage? How might we lose our saltiness? And I, and I think we probably already know the answer to this, but just to talk it out for just a moment, you know, I think it's good for us to be reminded that, you know, we have moments in life where we're on fire for the Lord, and man, we'll 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 talk to anybody about Jesus. We'll lead anybody to Jesus. You know, we'll just you know we're excited. We're excited about what God's doing. We can't stop ourselves from from talking about it. I don't know if you find yourself uh, that way. I find myself that way sometimes with people that are not believers. And uh, you know, I've, these past couple of weeks, I've been chit chatting it up with a bunch of people in my life that are not believers about some things that God's doing here at church. And I got to be honest, they kind of look at me with like the deer in the headlight look and like, oh, okay, good. And then we just kind of go on in the conversation. It's kind of funny. Um, and I'm praying for them and I'm praying about that, you know. But this, this understanding that a lot of times we're not there. A lot of times we're the watered down version, right? Well, we just read through those examples and we see what happens when salt combines with something because of dissolving in water and what happens to it. It becomes this watered-down version of itself with a different taste and a different flavor. And I think for us to be reminded that Jesus created us to be this salt within the context of wherever he's put us. Now, I don't know where you are. I don't know where you work. I don't know where you live. I don't know who your family members are. I don't know who your friends are. But I'm here to tell you, it's all part of your mission field. God's put those people in your life on purpose. And He's helped develop some of those relationships on purpose. And He wants us to follow Him through those things. Because what He has for us is pure and not watered down. And that's what the world needs. The world needs to be able to get a taste of the saltiness that comes from the Lord, right? Because of us. Because of us being in their lives. They should get a taste of that. They should sense that there's something something special going on in our lives, right? It's something that's not just the norm. Like, why in the world are they happy, you know? Why in the world are they not losing their mind right now, you know? And those create conversations. Sometimes those conversations take a long time before they get to happen. Sometimes they happen right away. 
But either way, God uses us to give them a taste of who Jesus is. So then secondly, you have this other part of the passage. Verse 14, it says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Again, here we have Jesus saying that you are the light of the world. Well, wait a second. Isn't he the light of the world? Didn't we, didn't we clear that? Right? Don't we know that? Yeah, we do. And because we know him and have a relationship with him, then we too have him in us, living in us, for that light to be projected into the rest of this world. We're changed people, right? We're not perfect, but we're changed, right? And it's this beautiful thing that the Lord is allowing us to be a part of this whole thing. I mean, here's the truth. He could just light it all up on his own. He doesn't have to have us to do this. He chooses to do it this way. He chose to create us in such a way that we would be light into the world. Here, the understanding is that the world is like a dark night, you know, with no light in it. And we are the world's light to show it a better way. Those listening are imagining as Jesus is talking about this, a small lamp in a home, which was common at the time, put on a stand to illuminate the room. This would be like an oil lamp, you know, kind of lamp. Started to bring one of those today, and I didn't have any oil lamps, like, freshly available. I could have found one, though, I promise you. I wouldn't have had to gone that far. But, you know, I think about this, and I think about, you know, how spoiled we are from having electricity, and that it's hard for us to fathom, like, that that's their, that that was their daily, you know, routine, this is how they lived, that every day they'd have in their room at night this one lamp, usually, lighting the whole thing, you know. To us, you know what that sounds like? To us, that sounds like down power lines. Right? I mean, just being honest, right? To us, that sounds like no electricity. And we've got a candle lit. Well, nowadays, we don't have a candle lit. We're just like sitting here doing this with our phones, right? <laughs> like, well, my battery's about half full, so, you know. This idea of this, you know, it's, it's funny how, and, you know, I thought about this, like, you know, if we, we turn all the lights out in here right now, and we had one candle up here on a stand, you know, it would take a, it would take a minute or two for our eyes to adjust, but eventually we would be able to see one another, even by this one candle in the room, shining a light against the faces of one another, Right? And this is who Jesus created us to be. He created us to be light. 
We're supposed to be different. It's supposed to be different. How do we do this? How are we supposed to be that light? I mean, it sounds great, right? Well, first of all, verse 15, we get a not how to do it. It says, uh, well, second part of 14, it says a city on a hill cannot be hidden, right? So we're not hiding, right? And he goes on with that illustration in verse 15. It says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. So it is through others seeing what God is doing in us and through us that people see God's work at hand. Listen, you you got to know, Serve Sunday, I, I pray every Serve Sunday, leading up to it, the day of, when it's going on, even if I'm driving in between projects, whatever, I, I, I spend a lot of time praying. And, I'm, and the one, the, probably the main thing I'm praying on a serve Sunday is, God, may you be seen in this and not us. That's sometimes hard. It's tough. Like, you know, it's real easy for people on, you know, whatever, be, oh, 24 church, so appreciate them. Whatever. And, and I, you know, but it's not about that. It's not about the name of this church. It's not about the name of any one person other than Jesus. I want people to know, and when we're out there doing those things, I want people to hear, you know, when they say, why are you doing this? Because Jesus loved us, called us to serve, called us to be light in this world. He wants you to know he loves you. There's a quick, there's a quick connection to that, right? He wants you to know that he loves you. I want you to know that He loves you, and that's why I'm here today doing this for you, right? And that we pray that through those things that people would give Jesus a second chance. I, you know, I'm not stupid to the fact that we live in a world where a ton of people have been burned by Christians and by the church or whatever it may be, right? He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That they may give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We don't want the glory. We want to deflect it to Him. And again, Jesus created us that we get to be a part of the process. Right? This is so great. I want to read something that John Stott wrote about this passage of Scripture, if you don't mind. And he gets around to this word of survival. And I think that, I think that it connects with a lot of us, probably. Uh, but he, he's talking about that there's a distinction between the believer and the world. And this is what he says. He says, but there are too many people who stop there, too many people whose whole preoccupation with survival that is maintaining the distinction, okay? The distinction that we are different from the world, okay? We got that, right? That we are different from the world, and he's saying there's a lot of us that we stop there with just the distinction. He goes on. He says, the salt must retain its saltiness. They say it must not become contaminated. 
The light must retain its brightness. It must not be smothered by the darkness. That is true, but that is merely survival. Salt and light are not just a bit different from their environment. They are to have a powerful influence on their environment. The salt is to be rubbed into the meat in order to stop the rot. The light is to shine into the darkness. It is to be set up on a lampstand and it is to give light to its environment. That is an influence on the environment quite different from mere survival. Influence. Influence is one of those words that gets used a lot these days. We hear about influencers, all these things. But what I get from what Stodd is saying about this, what I understand, is that it's not just about us recognizing that we're different from non-believers. You know, I, I, I would not expect... I would not expect someone to show up today, to come today, even hearing of the good things that we're doing with this offering, but for them to be wanting to just give a bunch of money to an offering that seemingly may not mean a lot to them because they may not understand the ramifications behind all the people going through that program are going to hear about Jesus. And likely their life's going to be changed in some way, shape, or form, right? I don't expect a non-believer to give to that. I, I would hope that believers would be passionate about that. Like this is a big part of their heart, their life, their call, their mission, that we understand that this is our mission and that for those of us who are believers, that we understand that part of our mission is to influence people around us instead of being influenced by the people around us, right? Now I know that there's a little give and take and, that, and there's nothing wrong with being influenced in certain ways, but when it comes to the saltiness of the gospel, if their truth becomes our truth instead of our truth becoming their truth, then there's an issue. We're called to be the bride of Jesus. We're called to have an intimate relationship with Jesus. Let me tell you, folks, if you have an intimate relationship with Jesus, your life is going to be changed. second part of Ephesians 5 talks about that intimacy between Christ and the church, and it also is referring, Paul says this very clearly, it's also referring to both husband and wife as well. And he uses these illustrations to show the intimacy that is designed to happen between both a husband and a wife and between Christ and his church. He loves her. He gave his life up for her. She is called to hold him up, lift him up, love him, make him known, right? Bring him glory. We're called to be influencers. To who? To our community. To our mission field, to the people that God has put in our life, to our friends, to our family. The people we work with, the people that we play with. And a warning is thrown out along the way in Revelations 3 that I think is a reminder for us about our saltiness and about how we don't want our lights to go dim. Romans, I'm sorry, Revelation 3, verse 15, it says this. It says, I know your works. You are neither hot, or cold nor hot. Would that, you, would that you were either cold or hot. 
So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. What's life mean? What's it about? What are we doing? It's so easy to get caught up in this world and the things of this world and wanting things from this world. It's just junk. It's just, I don't care how pretty it is. I don't care how new it is. At the end of the day, the thing that we've got that matters the most that God created us to do was to fulfill His mission, right? Like, we get that. Leading other people to Him. What are our lives being lived for right now? Salt only works if it comes out of the salt shaker. Light only works if it's out in the open. We, we are not meant to be, we are meant to be out there in the world not hiding under a bowl. Not hiding in a salt shaker. God's calling us to go. And I, and I know that there's this like, oh, but you know, the world is dangerous and what's it going to do? Look, we can go out into the world and be okay, right? We don't have to let it influence us. We can be influencers in it. And that's what the world needs from us. And that's what Jesus created us to do. Here's what we need to lead people to. I didn't see anybody. God just, I can't tell you how God led me to this passage. We don't have the time. But God led me to this passage, Psalm 34, 8. And I was just like, whoa. I've never heard anybody, seen anybody put these together. Psalm 34, 8, it says this. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. That's what the world needs. That's what the world needs. The world needs to taste and see that the Lord is good. Salt and light. Taste and see. Salt and light. Taste and see. They need us to be Jesus to them. It's so simple, we'll miss it. You know, you know how we'll miss it? We'll miss it because we get too busy for it. We can't let that happen. We gotta fight for it. We gotta fight for the for the most important job that we have on the planet is this, not anything else. There is no more important job than that. To follow the Lord. To help others to taste and see. And man, that you know, here's here's the beauty of this. It looks so different. For so many people. Like how you do it may be completely different how other than how other people do it. And God bless you for it. I love that. I love that God uses different people to reach different people. I love that He uses different types of churches to reach different types of people. What they need. John, John 6.35 Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, 
and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. There's something to taste. There's something to taste. And just a little further in that passage, he nails it to the ground when Jesus says for in verse 40, he says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. I long, I long to see people turn their hearts and lives over to Jesus. I long for it. I want it so bad. I'd give up the buildings. I don't care about the buildings. Man, that's what this is about. That's what we have hope is about. Understanding that God wants us to be drawn to Him in such a strong way that we can sense it. By the way, He talks about drawing us to Him there in 644, if you want to read that later. And what... And, and that that's what God wants to use us to do is to help others sense who He is. What He's doing. What He wants to do. That they may taste and see. We're not just showing them a better way. We're showing them the way. The truth. And the life. May we be those influencers in people's lives that would lead others to Jesus. May they get a taste from us, and may they see Him in us. May we help show them the way. Um, I'm excited about this. I'm excited to see God do something that we all know that He's been leading us to for some time. And so today, um, we're going to do something a little different. We don't normally, these days, ever since the, the COVID happened, you know, um, we don't have the normal offering passing and all that stuff, and we're still not doing that today. Uh, but I want to encourage us today, we're going to take a time here where if you actually brought an offering that you want to go and put in the boxes, uh, I, I want to give you a, a few moments here to pray over it uh, and then, you know, Feel free at any time thereafter to take it. Uh, but I want us to pray together as a church. Um, and so maybe if we could, we just bow our heads now, and I think it would be a good, good moment for us to pray together. Uh, let's do that. Uh, and let's pray uh, for God's leadership in all these things. God, I pray that you would soften our hearts toward what it looks like for us to be salt and light. God, we lean on you right now for your leadership and for your guidance. God, we need you to show us what does that look like in our lives and what does that look like for our church. God, I pray that you would help us. God, I pray that you would give us strength God, I know, I know families right now, Lord, they're just going through a really hard time. God, I pray for strength for us, for them. 
God, for anybody that needs it. God, we all need it. God, we need it from you. Not ours, but yours. God, we need courage to follow you. God, I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't buck your system, but God, that we would we would come to it and we would recognize when you're leading and guiding us. God, I praise your name for those who shared even this morning, God, how you have led them to what's happening today. God, I pray that you would just continue to work in our hearts and lead us in those things. God, I pray, Lord, that you would give us a willingness to follow you to the ends of the earth, to be led by you, that others might know who you are. God, I pray, Lord, for our faithfulness. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to be the people that you've called us to be in all these things. God, I pray for steadfast spirits. God, it is so easy for us to get tired and that alone to keep us from taking the steps to do the things you've called us to. God, give us clean hearts, pure hearts, Lord, that look like yours so that we can be the salt that others need from us, from you. God, use us in those ways. God, I pray, Lord, for the space for all the people that you're going to reach. God, whatever that means, whatever that looks like. God, I pray that you would provide the resources, that you would provide the money. God, that we would be a church full of families that are just 100% in your hands with all the things, that we would all just trust you in all the things, whether it's our finances or whatever it may be. God, I pray that you would take these offerings that we give today and in the future and multiply our gifts use them for your glory God I pray Lord for those that you put before us God that we're going to get to minister to in the days ahead God may they sense Jesus Lord from being with us around us ministered to by us and may they above all taste and see that he is good God thank you for allowing us to be a part of the process. Lord, we ask this today in your son's name. Amen. I'm going, I'm going to walk out to the foyer. If you would like to talk about Jesus as your Savior, I'll be there. If you would like to bring an offering now, I'm going to encourage you to do that. I'm going to do that myself and uh, for my family. I pray that uh, you would pray over what God's going to do with these offerings.